Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult. Be sure to follow the link in the description after today's episode for more information about today's article and to claim CME credit. This podcast is brought to you by PrimeMed. Al is a 56-year-old accountant who's in today. He is overweight, smokes only during tax season, and never exercises. Al is always under a great deal of stress, and in addition to hypertension and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, he's been taking omeprazole for GERD for the last four years. You suggest coming off the omeprazole based upon new risk information, and he says, no way. One time, Doc, I missed a dose and I felt terrible. How do we help, Al? Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Dr. Jill Perrion, Associate Professor and Associate Dean of Interprofessional and Community Partnerships at the UMass Chan Medical School, Tan Chingfen Graduate School of Nursing. Hi, Jill. Hi, Frank. This is interesting, right? This is common. So... Al looks like he's pretty tightly wrapped. What, what happened when he missed his PPI? Well, you know, um, PPIs are incredibly, are incredibly useful at treating GERD. They're highly efficient at preventing acid release into the stomach. They block the histamine pumps and they, they decrease the amount of acid that you're going to perceive uh, both in your gut as well as in your esophagus. But when you miss a dose or two, it allows a great deal of stored acid to be released all at once, and people tend to have really great symptoms. This explains why Al is hesitant to consider coming off his omeprazole. He's terrified he's going to feel awful. Well, why should Al consider coming off his PPI? PPIs, as I said earlier, are really great drugs, and we've had a couple bits of data in the last year that really demonstrate that long-term use runs some risks. The first is a prospective study of healthcare providers, so us, over 200,000 of them without diabetes. And it turned out if you took PPIs for less than two years, there was no increased risk in developing diabetes. But if you took them more, for more than two years, you started increasing the risk by about 25% for going on to develop type 2 diabetes. Does What's the process for this? It's unclear. Does it increase the risk of overeating or does it increase the risk of craving carbohydrates or eating crummy food or you know maybe you were keeping in check all your 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 bad food choices because your GERD was so bad it wasn't clear why but if if it increases the risk by 25% that alone is disturbing a second study that came to my attention was an observational study of almost a million new users of PPIs compared to um those who started taking an H2 antagonist like famotidine. They followed people for five years, so just five years. And within five years, the risk for gastric cancer went up by almost 50%. The number needed to harm at five years was um, two, over 2,000, just over 2,000. So it's not a huge number, but if you persist for over 10 years, it becomes uh, 1,100. Again, this is not a common occurrence, but realistically, we need to know that you're taking a chance treating um, a condition with a pill that might lead to something as devastating as uh, a cancer that could be life-threatening. 
The final issue that I think maybe is going to be so much better explained in the next five to 10 years was a meta-analysis looking at all studies long-term for chronic PPI users. And it turns out that chronic PPI users increase the risk of hepatobiliary and pancreatic cancer. Now we've known for a while that the risk for pancreatic cancer has been going up for the last eight to 12 years, and we're not really sure why. But if there's any possible association with chronic PPI use, we need to be aware of that and recognize that in addition to gastric cancer, you, will, you might be increasing the risk of a truly terminal illness. That is incredible and shocking. And I just think about when PPIs and H2RAs came out at first and you needed a prescription for them, and now they're widely available. So how do we know when people should stay on a chronic PPI? Well, um, Al smokes. And so that certainly increases his risk for gastric cancer and Barrett's esophagitis. So if he's been on it for over two years and you've tried to wean him off and he's been unsuccessful, he probably needs an EGD. He needs to have an upper endoscopy with a biopsy. Um, if he's hesitant to do that out of the gate, we'll go ahead and try again to, to, to wean him off. But if he fails, I really would encourage you to get a biopsy. You need to see if he's got any uh, changes in esophagus that's going to cause cancer later in life. Um, while there's weak evidence about lifestyle changes, um, we need to think about doing those things as well. And, and that would be things like smoking cessation, um, eating a smaller meal at night, not, you know, not going to bed with a big stomach. If he's got chronic anxiety, he needs to address both the cause, in this case, his job, and helping him get his anxiety under control ideally not with another medicine. So regular exercise or meditation, he needs to focus on weight loss. But if he's willing to try, the way you help people wean off um, a PPI, the way I do at least, is I'll start them on famotidine and start with 20 milligrams twice a day and tell them, you know, for the first couple days, you might have some some reflux. So carry a roll of antacid with you and if, try to taking one or two a day. If, if they're taking two or more a day, I might increase that to 40 twice a day. And I'll do that for six to eight weeks. And then I'll consider dropping the dose down to once a day and then cutting the dose in half again and then making it PRN. And see if you can control the symptoms with a PRN H2 antagonist. Um, that ideally is not going to increase his diabetes risk nor is it going to increase his risk for cancer. It's, it's a tall order, but like you said, if he's willing to work with you and you can make those points with him, that would be great. When, when should you not try to wean anybody off chronic PPIs? All right, there's a few indications for chronic PPIs. Um, refractory GERD, you've tried to wean them off. You've gotten upper endoscopy. They don't have Barrett's, um, and this is the only way they can survive. Uh, that might be the case with Al, then you probably have to take that risk. But you need to be clear that, look, while we're going to keep you on this medicine, it comes with some risks. Certainly, if they have a true condition, they have Barrett's, so that you have to worry about precancerous findings, even though the transition from Barrett's to cancer is only a few percent per year, these are lifelong meds in these cases, and, and that risk is real. ZE syndrome, Zollinger-Ellison syndrome, is certainly a theoretical risk, although I've never had one in my practice. Patients with chronic ulcerations, 
and the population who are on NOACs for a fib or other reasons so that they have a very high risk for bleeding. These are folks who probably should be on um, PPIs long term. Great. Thank you, Frank. That's great information. Practice pointer. Unless patients are at high risk for a complication, consider stepping down your patients on chronic PPIs to an H2 antagonist whenever possible. Join us next time when we talk about non-pharmacologic methods to prevent migraines. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim CME credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, follow the link in the description. To stay up to date on the most recent clinical research and news, please subscribe to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine and be sure to check out primed.com for additional CME content.